Arlington Toyota wants to know what drives you. Let's start with having 500 Toyotas available. Plus, you get a lifetime warranty and 30 days to love your new purchase or exchange it. What drives you is what we do. Shop ArlingtonToyota.com today. Hey, welcome into this episode of The Book of Bo, brought to you by Arlington Toyota. Get 30 days to love your purchase or exchange it. Shop ArlingtonToyota.com. You seem to almost pick Jacksonville as much as Jacksonville picked you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it came down to it, this is where I wanted to be. So it was a perfect fit, and it worked out. I'm just happy. I mean, I was nervous coming when the second pick came up, and I just really wanted everything to work out. He has always banked on things will work out, and I will work hard enough to reap the maximum benefit. Who knows what would happen if I left early? I wouldn't be in Jacksonville. Jacksonville wouldn't exist. There was no team here. I knew zero about Jacksonville, Florida. Um, yeah, it was like Jacksonville, where's Jacksonville? Little old Jacksonville comma FLA, the next chapter in the life of Don Anthony Baselli Jr. This is the Book of Bo. I'm Dan Hicken. But I always tell Tony this, too. So we went to dinner that night after, the, after a, a terrific workout, and Tony brought Angie. That was it. <laughs> that was it. It was the spring of 1995. Tony Baselli was coming off a third straight All-American campaign and set to become a top five draft pick in that April's NFL draft. But the question was, where would Big Bo go? The Jaguars, the Bengals, and I think, which were then the, um, which are now the Washington Commanders, came out, and I think one other team, I can't remember what the other team is, and they wanted to take me through a personal workout. And you know, I think a lot of us were very thankful that, that you know, there, there was all this attention that was, you know, that was brought to uh, the USC campus because of Tony just being, you know, is he going to go one or five? And so then everybody looks at that and they, can people trade? And so then all the NFL teams are there. And, and I think we just looked at it and we were like, that's, it's a super benefit for us because we got more eyes on us who were not the non first round draft picks. And we're like, hey, maybe I can fool somebody and, you know, bust a fast 40 on my home track and, 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 and move really fluid for one of these coaches while they're here to watch Tony. They're like, hey, let's just, you know, Rob Johns or Jeff Cop or Brian Williams or John Herpin or all these other guys that, you know, get drafted. I, we were like, this is awesome. You know, thanks, Tony, for hooking us up. Tom was there. Uh, the late Mike Mazur was there. And, uh, and so they take me through this long workout, do everything. And, and it went fine. And then, he, and then they let me know they want, they want to go to dinner. So I'm like, great, I'll go to dinner afterwards. And Tom comes up to me and says, hey, um, you're getting married, right? I go, yeah. He says, bring your, bring your fiance with you. I sat there, only female at the table, 
all men and they were so great to Tony and I and their line of questioning not one question did they ask about football they had already gotten all the football that they needed before this dinner and then when we sat down and they started asking questions about integrity questions about faith questions about family questions about you know what makes Tony Baselli tick i knew there is no way that they were going to sit down across another human being and go in another direction i can remember doing a story the sunday before the draft came and it was Tom Coughlin at Tony Baselli's workout. The the buzz had been generated. You know there weren't 48 mock drafts to bounce off of. By the time the Jaguars drafted Tony Baselli with that number two overall pick, he was a known commodity. It was thought by all of us that they would draft Tony Baselli. Tom Coughlin, who can be tight-lipped, just loved the guy so much. It was hard for him not to talk about it. The Jacksonville Jaguars have selected tackle Southern California, Tony Baselli. And so Tony and Angie boarded a plane 2,419 miles from the USC campus to Jacksonville. When they got here, well, wasn't a whole lot. I, I like to say it's kind of like the island of misfit toys. I mean, because you had you had the original 10, which I was a part of. We were street free agents. I had been released by the Redskins my second year, um, long story. But I decided I wanted to come here to Jacksonville. Um, part of the original 10. Then you had the expansion draft where they could draft guys off of other teams. And then you had you, the rookie draft, which Tony was a part of. So that made up our, our, our first team, 95. Tony joined Greg Huntington, who another local radio personality would soon nickname the Mangler, in an offensive line room that would also feature the likes of Dave Wydell, Tom Mislinski, and fellow rookie Brian DeMarco. They were led by the late Mike Mazur as their offensive line coach. But of course, that inaugural team was led by another first-time NFL head coach, Tom Coughlin. Back in those days, you, it, it was two-a-days, um, full pads. All I, all I heard was stories, of just the brutal stories of camp with Tom Coughlin. Um, and what's crazy about it is that I didn't believe it. You know how you hear stuff in the NFL, hearsay or whatever, and, and some of the outlandish stuff that he was doing. I said, there's no way a coach is like that. Horror stories of they're just trying to make everybody quit. It would never pass today with the CBA. The players would probably revolt. Spread out, Will Moore. Will Moore, spread out, Will Moore. Spread out, spread out. What the hell does spread out mean? Trust me, it was real. I was there, beginning with mini camp in Jacksonville and then at training camp in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. I would always come to Coach Coughlin's defense, you know, and I was like, you know, he's just making you better. He's just driving you to greatness. He's just, and he's like, whose side are you on? It was always our joke because, you know, he was, he was our neighbor. Yeah, you know, when I played and she would say how nice Tom was and how much she really enjoyed Tom. And, and I had to remind her, her, her impression of Tom was, was actually Judy, because Judy is one of the nicest human beings ever made on planet Earth. Well, those are, that's facts. I, Judy was like a second mom. You know, you leave your family 
My family was all in California. Tony's family was all in Colorado. I mean, I adore my family and I adore Tony's family. And that was very difficult to be without family. And having Judy Coughlin was just a godsend. She loved on me. She loved on my babies. She was there and he is right. You're not going to hear me say one negative thing about either of those people because they were family. <laughs> but make no mistakes around it. Within the lines of the football field, within the walls of the stadium, Tom Coughlin was an authoritarian. Normal training camps were probably at the most four weeks long or four to five because you played four preseason games. And if you remember, and this coincides with Tony's induction into the Hall of Fame, you played the Hall of Fame game, right? That's a fifth game. So we showed up two weeks before our first preseason game. So training camp was literally almost seven weeks long for us. So I get married June 23rd, have a week honeymoon, go back to California for a week, and then I have to fly two days after 4th of July to Stevens Point, Wisconsin, which the first three days were voluntary because you weren't allowed to start until the 9th, I think it was, or the 10th. But he said he wanted everyone there. And everyone showed up except for like three guys. I think Wagaman didn't show up, and Smangy and I think Kelvin Pritchard were the only guys who didn't show up. The rest of us were all there. And uh, it was intense. You got to love it, Damien. This is the drill right here. If you don't like this one, it's the wrong game for you. Take up ping pong. It's not tough enough for you, huh? Well, we can do something about that. We can do something about that. Shut the backside off now. Hell, that's like a sprint down in there for 56. How many times have I seen that? How many times? What the hell, Rich? Come on, Rich. Let's go. Get back in the damn huddle. It's easy. We'll get another guy. Name of the game is come off the ball. Whatever else you're thinking about, forget it. Parker, you got no takeoff. Parker, you don't have a takeoff. I mean, we did, I mean, I can remember doing um, conditioning, half gassers, which is down and back the, the, the width of the field. And normally you got to strip off your pads and your helmet, not with Tom. We, we, did, we did half gassers in full pads. As the number two overall pick and the first pick in franchise history, Big Bo knew he had to assume a leadership role. That became a bit more difficult when he suffered an injury day three of training camp. Dang Logman doing a bull rush on <laughs> like him and I still joke to say because we're, we're great friends. But it's a rainy day and it's you know we were going to practice no matter what. It was pouring rain and we're doing one on one pass rush and Jeff decides to bull rush me and I try to plant my foot slides out and I dislocate the kneecap again and yeah, and this time knock some cartilage off the back of it and and that was miserable because. You know, as miserable as camp was, I'd rather do two days. Tony would miss the rest of training camp, including the Hall of Fame game against fellow expansion Carolina. Yes, you heard that right. 
the soon-to-be Hall of Famer, Mr. Jaguar himself, did not play in the only game the Jaguars have played in Canton, Ohio. What I remember about the game was um, Steve Berline was our starting quarterback. Mark Brunel was a backup quarterback. I was the backup center. And so it was funny because nobody really knew who Mark Brunel was. Um, and we would get into the games, and Mark Brunel was kind of like a Steve Young, where he had the ability to throw the ball, but he also had the ability to run. And we would get in, and we would move the ball better than the first team did. I hate to say it. The Jags lost that game 20-14. to Four more preseason games followed. Big Bo was on the sideline for all of them and the first three weeks of the regular season. The most interesting part of that journey was probably that first game because um, I don't have any training camp. I'm coming off a knee injury. I have, have surgery, get a scope, get it cleaned out. i got, you know, bone, no cartilage behind my kneecap. Um, and I'm fighting to get back as soon as possible because I just don't want to be hurt. And so I think it's the fourth game of the year. We're playing Green Bay on Sunday night, and that's my first game. I haven't played a snap since college. And he gets into the game. And he has this good block. Well, the announcer in the stadium says, and that was a great block by number 71, Tony Baselli. Now, that never happens. That's never happened before, and it's never going to happen again. Nobody ever on the on the PA system um, tells an off, says to the crowd that the offense line had a good block. I'm going against a guy who has 106 sacks in his career, Sean Jones. So that was a big moment for me, just getting out there, getting my feet wet, and I had success. And so from that point, I remember thinking, I'm like, I can, I can do this. I can play at this level. Um, I wasn't even 100%, and I held my, I did just fine. It built from there. Despite only playing in 12 games, Tony was named to the Pro Football Writers Association All-Rookie Team. The Jags finished 4-12, and but that did include a win over eventual Super Bowl runner-up, Pittsburgh. What we went through together, even though a bunch of team guys turned over and we had free agents in 96, it really set the tone for that locker room. There was a toughness about that team, I thought. Mental toughness, physical, we were physically tough. You know, I think it was pretty cool that Coach Coughlin had so much say in bringing in the initial group of guys. This isn't unique to just my husband. It, it was Brian Schwartz. It was um, the Mangler. It was all those guys that he brought in with just real similar DNA. Um, and they created this really cool chemistry. They were better than they should have been. You know, it was awesome. It was so much fun to be this almost sort of bad news bears team gone right like just it was so fun and with several key free agent signings that next spring combined with that hard-working core group things were about to get even more fun in year number two Hope you're enjoying this episode of The Book of Bo, brought to you by Arlington Toyota. Get 30 days to love your purchase or exchange it. Shop ArlingtonToyota.com. Now back to The Book of Bo. I mean, I left a story franchise in Pittsburgh, and I was looking to build something different here in Jacksonville, and we did. The highly regarded right tackle was the headliner of the Jags' first true free agent class in 1996. TC had his bookends, Leon Searcy, and a soon-to-be second-year Tony Baselli. Uh, you got to remember, I came in as the hot shot free agent. I got all this money. I came from the Steelers, played in the Super Bowl, 
And I got this second year guy, and most occasions, first, especially in the first half of the season in 96, outplaying me. Man, that hurt to say, but it's true. I, I, I've grown, I've grown a lot, trust me. But he was, he was outplaying me. While Big Sirs brought pedigree and spunk that hadn't been there, Big Bo was very familiar with another addition, his college roommate, Jeff Kopp. Another college roommate, Rob Johnson, was also already on the team. Just got married um, to my college girlfriend, Alicia. And so Tony and I kind of walked that same path together. We both married our college girlfriends that we'd met in college and uh so we all were we all knew each other really well and tony just offered for alicia and i to live with him um he goes hey live with me as long as you want once you get three games under your belt the likelihood of you getting cut is very very low so we lived with him for three weeks uh, until i got that third game under my belt and uh, we got to hang out got to ride to work and now you know tony and mark would drive to work um every morning so i got to get got to get to know mark really well Tony had a presence and what we always talked about even uh, back then, and it was more on display then, but it was almost as if Mark should have been the offensive tackle that was rarely consulted. And Tony should have been the quarterback who stood bombastically in front of his locker room and told you how it was. Baselli and Brunel were as dynamic a duo as Jacksonville has ever seen, but don't think they were handing out flowers and singing Kumbaya. He was, you know, I think I got it bad from him because I was a rookie, but then also I was the second pick and I was supposed to be on his level. And so he always, you know, gave me a little crap about that. That's linebacker Kevin Hardy, the Jaguars' first-round pick in 1996 out of Illinois, who, like Tony, went second overall. Baselli had a great rookie year, and even though he was still a young player, he kind of had a veteran presence about himself because, you know, he's such a confident player, uh, such a confident person. What I say about Tony Baselli is he was out of the box, good and ready. What do I mean by that? It's like getting a new toy and there's no assembly required, meaning it's already ready to roll. That's the way Tony was um, from day one. the soon-to-be best-selling toy among the Island of Misfit toys, and opposite Tony, the shiny new toy, Leon Searcy, the Rebel. So I never had a problem with working. I, I mean, I never had a problem with working. But some of the stuff that he fined you for was just ridiculous. And uh, I used to get fined on purpose just to show him how ridiculous they were. I did in, me in meetings, on the field, and that kind of stuff. I did stuff on purpose because I just wanted to show him how ridiculous it was for these fines. Your socks, can't take a knee, sitting on this, that, whatever. I said, this don't make any sense. Yep, one year into the league and TC hadn't changed one bit. They were still running gassers in full pads. Two-a-days were the norm. Goal line, live game drills on a Friday before a game. We meshed together. We hated them together. <laughs> we, we did. A lot of our motivation was, a lot of our motivation for winning had to do that Tom was so tough. Y'all have no idea how Tom was. I love Tom Coughlin, but he made it hell for us each and every day. Everything starts with, with, with Tom Coughlin and, and how he ran the team, you know, how he just, you know, just ran everything from the, from the meeting rooms to how we, you know, uh, practiced to how we traveled. Um, everybody knew what they were, you know, what was expected out of them. And that uh, kind of, uh, it, it, it bled onto the field on how we played. You know why we 
we're here today. We got to take care of our business. We are bad. We're better than Steve. We're going to whip their ass. Let's go. I don't think anybody knew in 95 um, that that would evolve into what was produced in 96. And if you go back and you look at the 96 season, it didn't start out great. Um, there was a stretch of a lot of losses. And so rallied, you know, midway to the end of the season in order to even, you know, get into the playoffs. The 1996 Jacksonville Jaguars began the season against a familiar opponent, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Fresh off a Super Bowl appearance and loss to the Dallas Cowboys. Big Surce was ready to make a big statement, but it was Big Bo who stole the show. And he was going up against some bona fide pass rushers. He was going up against Greg Lloyd, Chad Brown. And after watching the game, uh, he played better than me. Pissed me off, not gonna lie. He pissed me off because he did play better than me. I was playing against my old team and he played against my old team, he had a great game. So uh, that's when I knew I said, this young kid got something. He got the, he's got the goods. If only the rest of his team could have bottled up some of the goods early on. The Jags started three and six. Coughlin was relentless. They still had full pad Friday. They still ran sprints in full pads. There was no softening of, of, uh, of Tom Coughlin, but I think somewhere in the middle of the season when he realized uh, the type of talent that he had, that he had to pull off a little bit because we were losing a lot of close games. And we were losing a lot of close games because, not because we weren't as talented, but because we were exhausted. We didn't have any finish. There is that united, there's that chemistry amongst the guys. And I think what happened in that 96 season that there was a point during the year where you knock off, I think it was five wins in a row or something like that. And then you, the gift of Morton Anderson missing a field goal to make the playoffs. And then going to Buffalo where you're not supposed to win and Denver, you're not supposed to win. There was a point during that season where we did not, that team did not think that we were going to lose. And if you look around the stadium, how quiet it is and everybody's on their feet and they're in disbelief. They can't believe what has happened. I don't think the players realized what was happening even with five minutes to go in the game. I don't think they saw the big picture. And I think the, the coaching staff was looking ahead into the playoffs thinking this was a give me. A home win over the Ravens, then an overtime win over the Birds in Baltimore, then the Bengals at Houston, home against Seattle, all to set up a win-in-your-in scenario in the season finale, at home against the Atlanta Falcons and the greatest kicker of the decade. Come on now, Morton Anderson, who's Mr. Clutch, kicks it wide left. Come on, that's destiny right there. Because I was already in my mind thinking of Cabo. I was like, okay, me and the wife and kids, we're going to Cabo. We're going to make the flights, you know, stop, drop the kids off at grandma's. And me and the wife, we hit the Cabo. When he missed it, I was like, okay. If you rewind, what, four or five weeks before that, I mean, we were facing, we had to win five games to, to make it to the playoffs, which, you know, none of us thought, you know, we were going to do. And we went on that run. And, and to be in that last game against Atlanta and he missed that field goal, that, you know, kind of kicked off an amazing run into the playoffs uh, that we had. You know, to me, it was just big moment after big moment. And it really started with that, with, with that missed field goal. Then, uh, you know, I think that would forever be one of the bigger, you know, moments for me in Jaguar history.
And where was Big Bo during all this? Starting all 16 games and headed to his first of five Pro Bowls. Baselli wasn't just kicking ass. He was taking names and snatching souls. Everybody on the Jags was. You started to get this sense of, I guess, invincibility or you had the confidence as a team, both offense and defense, um, that you could win any game that you were in. Once we started winning and we understood there was some method to his madness, then we was like, okay, we're going to be the tougher team, the more physical team, the more disciplined team, and the best conditioned team. And all that stuff that he did to us early in the season carried over to the second half of the season where we, those games that we were losing close, we were winning them now. The Book of Bo. And Bruce Smith, you have to give Tony Baselli a tip of the cap for his first quarter performance. You want to talk about Bruce and the Buffalo game? Sure. Let's bring it up. It really put him on the map. He camped out in the media room watching film that week. Tony's dominating guys all year. Bruce Smith was just the next guy in line. Hope you enjoyed this latest episode of The Book of Bo, brought to you by Arlington Toyota. Get 30 days to love your purchase or exchange it. Shop ArlingtonToyota.com.